Welcome, Strikers. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Striker Thoughts. I'm your host, William Sow. For those just tuning in, Striker Thoughts is a podcast aimed at sharing innovation ideas, lessons learned, and discussions on the hottest topics within Air Force Global Strike Command. Today, I am joined by the Director of StrikeWorks, Mr. Russ Mathers. Hey, Russ, tell the, uh, tell the audience a little bit about yourself. They'll shortly pick up on your Michigan accent, but maybe identify <laughs> what part of the state you're from for those oh. Michiganians. All right. Well, I'm from Midland, Michigan, right in the center of the state. Uh, grew up there, uh, University of Michigan Education, Air Force ROTC. Uh, joined the Air Force, became a B-52 pilot. Uh, did that for, uh, for several years, then transitioned to the B-2. Did that for one tour at Whiteman Air Force Base. And then uh, back into the B-52, various staff assignments, air operations centers, uh, retired as the 8th Air Force Chief of Staff, and uh, then became a civil servant. I was in Air Force Global Strike Command as the executive director for two years. And then when we started up the NC-3 Center, I became the executive director of the NC-3 Center uh, for three years before I came over to StrikeWorks. Wow, awesome. So you have definitely been around the block a little bit for, uh, for Global Strike Command, and I think that makes your position and your experience very valuable here at StrikeWorks. Can you touch on what exactly is StrikeWorks for our listeners that do not know? Sure. Here at uh, StrikeWorks, we're, in, we're the innovation hub for Air Force Global Strike Command. We look at Air Force Global Strike Command's challenges, uh, there are needs for research and development, and we try and figure out how to fill those gaps. We reach out to various vendors, various innovators, entrepreneurs across the country, and, and bring in those great uh, capabilities. We, we comb the earth, as we like to say, bring those capabilities to Air Force Global Strike Command to solve some challenges. So if you're an airman out in Global Strike Command, you've probably heard of AFWorks, DefenseWorks, SoftWorks, and surely you've heard of StrikeWorks, or maybe you haven't, or just now learning. Uh, how do you think an airman can best take advantage of StrikeWorks from your perspective, Russ? I'd say start with your spark cells. Your spark cells are your local capability. Uh, start with them. If, if, they've got, if your problem is bigger than your spark cell can handle, then, then talk to StrikeWorks. Email us, get on the website, uh, go through our social media, or, or come up through that spark cell and route your challenge up to us here uh, working for the MAGCOM. We'll work with the MAGCOM staff. We'll uh, get it prioritized, put into the, the rack and stack bin. Uh, and then they'll give us your problem and we'll, we'll work to solve it with you. So talk about the, the age of StrikeWorks and kind of the journey that you've been on with StrikeWorks thus far. Okay. We are coming up on one year old. May 28th is the anniversary of our ribbon cutting when we uh, opened our facility here at the Cyber Innovation Center in Bossier City, Louisiana. Uh, so it's been an exciting year. Uh, we've, we've done over uh, 20 different collaborative events, bringing different people together, uh, bringing industry, academia, all together to work on the, the Global Strike Command challenges. It's been a year, a challenging year with pandemic, uh, with the, the COVID virus, uh, not being able to do these things in person. We, we love doing things in person. You get your best results, your best thinking in person. But we've learned to overcome that, work around it with uh, the various uh, virtual capabilities. Uh, we've worked a lot with uh, the AFWorks contractor called The Difference, who, who are kind of the core of the AFWorks uh, problem-solving and challenge uh, capabilities. They've taught us how to use those capabilities, how to use that process on two of the challenges that we've done. First, the emergency air crew response, where we're doing advanced market research and building prototypes to replace the uh, ACE system in the command post and the EHDC uh, those are both uh, air crew alerting capabilities in Air Mobility Command and Air Force Global Strike Command. So uh, that's our first challenge. And Russ, when we look to the future, you know, 5, 10, 15 years out, where, what do you 
envision StrikeWorks' role being? You know, where do you see their place uh, as a partner of Global Strike Command? I still see them as the innovation hub, uh, doing more things uh, faster as, as we bring on more facilitators, learn how to facilitate these and solve the problems a little bit faster and, uh, and work the program management to solve these challenges. But I also look to us uh, trying to spark innovation in the, the heart of the airmen, how to bring out some of the new ideas of the, uh, the people teaching about innovation, how to bring these best and brightest ideas that really apply to the Air Force and, and using our experience to, to bring these the best and brightest of the ideas to our airmen. Yeah, I definitely think that's a good point. Um, I, I, I think StrikeWorks is kind of like this beacon for in innovation that, you know, within here in Bossier City can definitely inspire airmen to be innovative and bring those ideas forward. With that being said, some of the ideas and events that we've had, design sprints and other challenges, what has been one of the biggest successes in your eyes? I think our first design sprint was really a huge success. Uh, we had a lot of fun with that. We brought in three airmen, actually four airmen, from the different missile wings. Brought them down to figure out how to put a cover on a transporter erector jack stand slot. If you uh, don't know what that is, you can look back at some of our uh, articles online and see the highlights of that. But that was really neat, seeing the spark in the eyes of the airmen that came down here because their, their leadership cared about them enough and wanted to solve their problem. Uh, they paid to bring them down during, a, uh, during the COVID when they knew they'd have to quarantine for two weeks when they got back home, but brought them down anyways. Uh, brought them down here, put the funds together. We went over and did some 3D printing over at our maker spaces at uh, LSU Shreveport and the collaboratory. We had a great time over there to help build a prototype, test a prototype, and with Louisiana Tech also uh, welding up a steel plate. And uh, we had a prototype, and uh, at the end of the week, at the end of five days, the airmen had uh, prototype in their luggage in their check bags as they went back to Minot and we put it in the field out there and uh, got that prototype out there testing really fast. I think that's there's so many great points there. Uh, first off is you know we mentioned you're a former pilot. Uh, we're at Barksdale Air Force Base or right outside the gate in <clears throat> Bossier City which has B-52s and a lot of the things uh, that we might do seem like unrelated to the missile fields at first glance right? You know, uh, everything focused on the bombers, but that's not the case. Our very first sprint was for the missile fields, uh, the missile wings themselves, and I think that's such a cool accomplishment. Can you touch on some of the other work we're doing for the missile wings, Russ? Sure. Maybe with the LSB intake sprint coming up? or Yeah, we, we've got two different uh, sprints coming up. First, uh, the LSB intake, where we're looking for a cover to cover the intake that goes into the environmental control system. Uh, they're getting debris in these uh, chilling systems, which cause unplanned un maintenance for the guys to come out. A lot of uh, wasted time that they'd rather spend using on planned maintenance. Uh, if we can reduce that unplanned work, uh, for the folks cleaning out these uh, environmental control systems, uh, that'll save time. That's the, the next one coming up. We've got another one that we're working about outer zone security. Uh, so we're looking forward to that and helping to uh, reduce some of the camper teams uh, and having to do that. Again, unplanned work for airmen. If we can eliminate or reduce that unplanned work, that reduces the turbulence in the airmen's lives, the scheduling process, and, and let those uh, out of hide activities go away. We can reduce those so guys can do their planned activities and not get pulled off their mission to do unplanned activities like camper teams. From your vantage point um, as the director of StrikeWorks, you're obviously in tune and in touch with all the different emerging technologies, the latest innovation trends. 
What do you think, in your opinion, is that next wave that the Air Force needs to latch onto and get ahead of that curve in order to maintain our competitive advantage? Well, I think that's really going to be artificial intelligence and using artificial intelligence and advanced learning systems to train our airmen. So if we can train our airmen better and reduce the amount of time spent uh, by the trainers, it's going to take the workload off the trainers as well if we can use an artificial intelligence to train the airmen uh, and at least as well as the uh, human trainers are doing or better than they are. Anytime we can take that uh, workload off the guy who's training the trainer, especially, that's going to be uh, time well spent to reduce that. Also use that artificial intelligence for decision making, to bring the correct information to, to the decision maker, uh, whether it's the JFAC or, or someone in the wing, to present the critical information for them. Uh, to make those decisions at that time. Uh, operating within a model, we're doing some things with the nuclear command control communication systems, allowing decision makers to work inside the model rather than looking at a PowerPoint slide that we've had to have an airman uh, go in and update manually. What do you think the first steps are for like airmen and Global Strike Command to adopt and embrace artificial intelligence? Because I hear a lot of uh, theorizing at times in the staff and I think across my career as an engineer, I know like two guys who have ever like programmed up an AI algorithm. They're both PhD students, but lieutenants, you know, so there's some in-house capability, but how do you see the Air Force starting to take advantage of AI and other emerging technologies? That's a hard one. That's one I've been really racking my brain over because Air Combat Command did a great job. They just used artificial intelligence uh, to navigate a U-2 and to steer the sensors of a U-2. They did that, uh, and Dr. Roper talked about that, previous staff AQ. Uh, great idea, and I've been racking my brains on how we can do that in Air Force Global Strike mm -hmm. Command. Uh, and we've got a couple of airmen out of the, the second operations squadron and the 49th test squadron who are working on an idea. They're working on a cyber with a company about how to create a uh, electronic attack scenario as you enter the military operating area. Um, the uh, sensors are gonna follow where the airplane's going and it's going to highlight the um, electronic warfare signals on the ground, the training signals that are emitted. Uh, it's going to be smart intelligence. It's going to operate those systems based on where the aircraft is doing and what the crew is doing, whether you turn left or right, climb or descend, is going to trigger how the systems on the ground uh, send a jamming signal at you. So rather than in the, in the past, it was a pre-recorded scenario. It would play out just like uh, like a CD playing. It's going to play the same song tracks in the same order. Uh, but now it's going to play the different electronic tech signals based on what the aircraft does. That's what their idea is. We're working with them on a little bit on this, on developing the Cibber uh, down here at Barksdale Air Force Base. Uh, and that's a neat idea of using some artificial intelligence to help train our air crews, more realistic training. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's that's interesting. So what is your perspective on what the Air Force's stance is in terms of risk for AI machine learning? Like for for example, when we talk about 3D printing, you know, parts on some of our bombers, it seems there's a, a risk aversion to that, right? Because you're you're printing something that's going to be flying through the air. Have you encountered uh, that same type of risk aversion when it comes to like AI and machine learning um, as far as people who may think, you know, if we were to go down that path, the systems could get, you know, hacked into or, you know, something could go terribly wrong? I have. 
And there's a need for that. Uh, risk aversion sometimes is good, sometimes is bad. We're in the nuclear mission, and you have to be careful where you use artificial intelligence. Uh, you have to be wise about where you're using it because your artificial intelligence can learn bad lessons and use those bad lessons uh, in the system. And that's why they talk about uh, JADC2. JADC2 talks about, uh, you know, uh, the machine or having the man on the loop or man in the loop and so we, we've got to be smart about keeping the man in the loop not just on the loop in the nuclear mission so we've got to use that artificial intelligence to help the man or woman make those decisions but not to make them for them uh, and we've got to define which decisions are being made by the human or by the artificial intelligence some we can let the AI work some but anytime, uh, any time, any trigger decision, anything like that, there, there, there's no place for artificial intelligence in that. You've got to have that man in the loop. So we've got to be smart about where we're using our artificial intelligence. All right, I want to switch gears a bit. This is our anniversary episode. So I'm going to look at uh, the last year. Uh, if you could think of both Will and Russ, you know, the best moment you had at StrikeWorks and maybe the funniest story you got from the last year as it relates to StrikeWorks. So I'll start things off. For me, the best moment by far was when, Will, you brought in Airman Combs, I think was his name. He was one of the uh, people who drill out B-52 brakes, and he got to tell a story, and then we in turn helped him out. But just hearing, hearing his passion and seeing his face, you know, just really inspired me. And, uh, and as far as funniest moments go, well, we have like these glass uh, doors here at Strikeworks, and my boss ran into the glass wall one day because it was so clean and uh, bumped her head, so hopefully she's not listening, but uh, it's got <laughs> tops of my list. All right. <laughs> um, yeah, I think probably the, you know, the best memory I have of Strikeworks over this past year um, was the design sprint that we did for the T-Jack slot covers, like you, you just described earlier in the episode, Russ. I, I think that one was, you know, definitely memorable based on everything we did that week. Uh, as far as the funniest moment, I think it would be, um, you know, Airman Combs kind of showing you the, how he drills the brakes because when I pitched that idea, everyone was looking at me like, oh, that, that's not, you know, that's not a, a scalable or that's, you know, idea or that's not one that's worth looking into. And when that Airman came in and everyone saw the struggle that he had to go through, um, you know, it was kind of like everyone's laughing like, okay, yeah, this definitely makes sense, right? So, yeah, those are mine. All right. Um my, my favorite moment, I think, is when we put uh, the companies on contract for the prototype for our first challenge. Those challenge events, uh, that was like an eight-month process to uh, see the best and the brightest of the capabilities for emergency air crew response and actually get the companies on contract to go build a prototype, uh, seeing that come to fruition. And, and we're saving $200 million in that. That's the price of two F-15 EXs, two of the mm -hmm. brand new EXs we're going to buy. We, we saved the Air Force the cost. We're letting the Air Force go buy two more F-15 EXs off the assembly line because we're using this process to, to build an emergency air crew response and, and use the commercial off-the-shelf technology from these innovators. And uh, the program offices reduce their cost estimate that way by, by doing this rapid acquisition. So that's my favorite moment, really, I think, uh, of this past year. The funniest man, that, that's tough. Uh, the, the weirdest for me is we, we hired a new office manager here in uh, the StrikeWorks Innovation Hub. We interviewed her. She came in, and like the second day on the job, we're talking a little more. I, I knew she was from Michigan, but uh, I asked her, what hometown? And Ryan, you kind of let off. You asked yeah. me where I was from. I said, and she said, 
Midland. And I said, what street? And she <laughs> said, East Ashman. I'm like, that's the same street I grew up on. You know, it was like 10 years apart by the time she was there and I had left. But, uh, but that was really a weird moment here in Strikeworks. That's why you hired her, right? Exactly. <laughs> no, I just had a feeling. Um, one other question for you, Russ, while you're here is a former Strikeworks employee told me that you were the first uh, pilot to drop bombs in Desert Storm. Is that true? Any truth to that? Uh, we were on the very first strike. I'm not the first pilot. Fair I, was, I was on the first seven ship, the, the conventional air launch cruise missile. When we launched those as a special access program uh, at that time, they were classified still. Their special access required for a year after we employed the, the missiles. So, yeah, we, we shot the first uh, missiles in Desert Storm. That's fascinating. Yeah. Oh, wow. That is definitely... Uh... Yeah, that's definitely an accomplishment for sure. All right, well, we're just about out of time, Russ. So is are there any last parting shots that you'd like to give our listeners um, who are, you know, with us on this journey? I'd say all, our airmen out there are doing innovation all the time. Um, you know, I was, I was in an innovative situation. We had two, uh, two engines burn off the wing of our B-52 and uh, fall off the, uh, the wing of the B-52 and working together as a nine-person crew that day uh, to get the airplane back on the ground and working with uh, Boeing engineers and uh, we, we launched a test jet and we had uh, instructor pilots uh, sitting in the command post going through checklists. We had instructor pilots who got in the simulator and flew the simulator and modeled the approach in the touchdown before we actually did it in the airplane. So in, in the Air Force, we're doing innovation every day. But man, it's tough. You, you airmen are out there, you're going from meeting to meeting, you're out you're launching jets, you're out there driving to the launch facility, doing maintenance all the time, and you just don't have the time to be innovative. So innovative takes a little, you gotta go to your quiet space. Sometimes you gotta do that and, and think about how to solve a problem. And, and that's the challenge is making that quiet time in your day where you can do that. Because we, we have so many demands. Uh, I think we are undermanned for the mission that we have to do. And you got to make the time to go to that quiet space, think about how you can solve these problems or just what the problems are, and then go to your spark cell and get help to solve them. You don't have to solve the problem. You, you may have a great idea, but if you can come up with the problem that needs a fix, get that identified, get that to your leadership. We'll use your spark cells. We'll use StrikeWorks to fix those problems. But uh, you got to do that. And once you figure out how to do that, it's really contagious. We, we saw the airmen from the TE jack stand. Uh, they, they figured out how to identify a problem, and they got down here how to fix it. Then they started to see other problems around them on how they can fix them. So it's really contagious. Once you start doing a little bit, it gets some momentum. It, it's just it's a different way of thinking. So it takes a little bit of time to get to your quiet space and learn how to be innovative. But once you do so, you, it really uh, untaps a new capability for you, a new tool in your tool chest. Yeah, that's great advice. All right, well, that's all the time we have for today. I definitely want to thank Russ for joining us today and, and sharing his insightful thoughts. If you found value in this episode, please share it with your coworkers or anyone else you think that could benefit from it. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, feel free to email us at info at strikeworks.com. As always, thank you for your time, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Striker Thoughts. Remember, change will get left behind. Strikers out.